This is Geek Gab with your hosts, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, October 8, 2022. We are back, and I am pumped. My, my brain Did I say that? Did I say that right? I am pumped. My brain just threw a, a wrench. <laughs> Unhandled exception has surfaced. Uh, yeah, it was actually. Uh, uh, what do you? What kind of error is it when two commands are vying for control uh, of the of the CPU? Uh, that's a deadlock. Yeah, that was a deadlock right there. So I had two things I was trying to say, and neither were coming out. Yeah, you need to improve your uh, your context switching and your uh, handling of race conditions. Hey, so I'm pumped. How was your week? My week? My week was all right. I could complain about a lot of things, but I'm not going to because it's Saturday and it's time for the Geek Gab. Um, I... Uh, I watched a movie last night. I can give a miniature review. Uh, since I am John, uh, the audience can predict my feelings on it already. But, well, technically speaking, you didn't actually watch the movie. I, uh, yeah, I I sort of have. I, I took my glasses off so the screen was blurry and I listened I, to the action and the dialogue. But you didn't finish i i was present for probably three quarters of it oh okay well, that's better than average i guess <laughs> for anybody watching that movie <laughs> um yeah uh i'd love to uh i'd love to give an update on on D, &D happenings uh that's been going on in my world uh, and the stuff in my personal life is stuff I could probably complain about, but uh, not. Let's just say the saga of the home repair is still ongoing. And it'll never stop. Never. That's, uh, that's tremendously sad for me to hear. <laughs> just in general. It is what it is. I told you once I love that phrase, and I do. It's it's the most East Coastian phrase you can think of, uh, but I love it. And I might have have I ever like ranted about the dude who said, "Oh, that's a thought terminating cliche." I've never. I don't recall that. But the way you said it makes me want to punch you and or him. Oh, it's just some idiot on Twitter. Surprise! Can you believe it? Uh, I'm. I feel an idiot for using Twitter, and the only reason I am using Twitter is because that's where the links to join our weekly Trilopulous game are sent. Uh, the Plus only reason I created an account. Plus, you're participating in like. Brovenloft, right? And you have to be on Twitter to participate in Brovenloft. Yeah, you know what? I didn't create a patron because I didn't really have the time to do it. But I tell you what, I have been I've been playing with a lot of the patrons the past couple of weeks, and it's taken way more of my time than I like to admit. But it's been great fun. I'll have to reveal. I'll have to reveal more at the end of the month. I feel like the audience is expecting me to continue with that story about thought terminating cliche, but honestly, it's just some idiot on Twitter. Really encapsulates everything you need to know. He sounds like he came over from Reddit. I mean, anyone you <laughs> unironically using the phrase "thought terminating cliche" uh, is no. an imbecile at best and and you don't need to you don't need to continue to talk to that person in an online situation oh speaking of reddit i uh 
there is a documentary on Netflix about the GameStop stock thing from Wall Street Bets. Really? Yeah, it's a it's they could have made it a movie because it's like two hours long, three episodes, two hours long. But no, they made it three episodes for whatever reason. But it was kind of fun. Uh, I don't want to do a full review of it because, but it was kind of fun. Pretty much covers it. And anybody who was in the middle of that back in January of, I think, 2021 uh, knows how it goes already. They were watching it run up and run up and run up. And, you know, if you were on Twitter for uh, Winklevoss tweeting and uh, Elon Musk tweeting and uh, for Robin Hood basically screwing everybody over, then that's it. You were you were writing it for all the uh, uh, you know events that they cover. They give you some more info on the background of all the players, but yeah, it's kind of fun. It was a fun thing to re. Uh, to retread and retread and it's also fun to know that uh, Robin Hood is over the long term gotten heavily screwed by their maneuver their uh, user growth has been flat or declining every quarter since they went public nobody trusts them and all the they screwed over all their customers so yeah they <laughs> pretty much <laughs> They pretty much collapses. I mean, just they haven't had any growth or anything because they did one huge, stupid mistake and nobody trusts them now. They've all gone to like Ameritrade and other places. And also their stock prices declined and declined and declined. So ironically, as a company, they've pretty much become kind of a GameStop. <laughs> So, yeah, it was kind of fun. I guess that's an entire review. It was kind of fun. Well, they deserve it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and maybe part of that was my schadenfreude at, uh, at seeing what happened to Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I personally wished them bad, but. Uh, I did not wish them bad. Got it. Entertainment's hard to come by these days. Oh, the first trailer for uh, Velma came out. <laughs> Velma like Scooby-Doo? Yeah, Scooby-Doo Velma. Just the character Velma, not any of the rest of the Scooby-Doo gang. It's by Mindy Kaling. All right, you can probably just stop there. No, I can't. I wish I could, but I can't. Um, the entire trailer is her telling the entire audience that they're worthless losers scum and they're not welcome to watch her TV show on HBO plus HBO max. That not literally, I, I suspect. Oh, like how, pretty, how is that? How's that done? Pretty close. It's basically, I mean, no, it's not basically, it's literally this. Oh, hi. Um, this is, uh, oh, she's complaining. I hear that they're making a new TV show about Judy Jetson. And in this movie, she's not dating men anymore. And... I hate that because nothing should ever change. And I'm going to, and this is Velma talking to the camera. 
Oh. And I'm going to call up the studio and complain to them because I don't think anything should ever change and it should all be the same for 40 years. Yeah. Good enough. And, and that's like the whole trailer. Uh, all right. I mean, I, I know that, that you do a lot of watching and, and reading and, and interacting with pop culture and stuff. Just just hearing in in the year of our Lord 2022, just hearing that there's a show about some sort of show or IP or something that you've previously seen. Why would you even interact with the stupid trailer or the spoiler or, or whatever? Why? Or pick why would you even look in that direction? Oh, somebody pointed out, somebody made a tweet and said, you know, oh, this is horrible. This is a spit in the audience's eye. And I'm like, well, I'll spend a minute of my existence to see what it's doing. So I spent a minute of my existence to see what it was doing. Ugh, I'm sorry. I, mean, I, I have interact with social media is literally a block of my time that I have scheduled out every day. <laughs> so got to keep grinding. Do during that period of time, I'm not wasting time. It's not like I'm, you know, and I'm not saying I haven't done this before and probably won't do it again, but that was literally a block of my time that I had scheduled out. So this is what I do on that block of time. I, I read things and that's how I end up reading articles that, you know, make me shake my head. Uh, because it's scheduled time, I don't have to worry about, you know, oh, I wasted so much time. It's like, no, this is the few hours in the morning when I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm sorry. I'm not. I learn a lot of information. That's how I find out what movies are coming out. Speaking of not finding out what movies are coming out. Yes. You saw a movie that I had never heard of. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, uh, last night. We all chilled on the couch and uh, put on a movie from 2020 called Inheritance. It's uh, it's one of those thriller mystery movies. Uh, about a you know a cheeky young lawyer who uh, inherits a horrible secret from her uh, father who dies at the beginning of the movie, and uh, Simon Pegg uh, plays the creepy villain, or you're 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 sure he's a villain, but what kind of villain? And there are mysteries and twists and turns, and uh, it was altogether dreadful. Um, that I think they had an idea there that there is a you know this inheritance and and simon Pegg's character was part of that and the mystery of figuring out what was going on but um uh, the dialogue was awful the um the scenes where the characters are talking to each other um were weren't weren't stage or shot very interestingly or or effectively um the acting was and and i hate to say this uh because and this is a movie from 2020 so i think this is maybe old news um, uh, I love Simon Pegg. I think he was miscast as sort of the mystery thriller, you know, psychopath who's playing the, you know, playing the, uh, what's it called? Playing the protagonist like a fiddle or, or making her dance on his puppet strings. Right. Uh, didn't work for me as a, as a villain, unfortunately, because uh, I like the guy just about all the other things I've seen him in. Um, and uh, you know the the plot was kind of predictable and stupid. So, yeah, uh, two thumbs down for me. That uh, I'm there's no surprise that it came out in 2020 uh, for two reasons. Uh, first of all, was nobody went to theaters anymore, and the other reason was uh, it wasn't worth going to see anyway. Yeah, I'm not surprised that you hadn't heard of it. I think uh, I think Netflix might have picked it up, and so it's sort of. It's on the radar, so we sort of saw it and said, "Yeah, let's, you know, uh, you know, my my girlfriend actually is like, yeah, let's put this on. This looks like it could be good, right?" And you know, that uh, sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. 
Um, but we all enjoyed uh, spending quality time together, uh, poking at our phones and uh, playing with the kittens while the movie was on. So it uh, was not a waste at all. I just don't recommend anybody deliberately watch it. So it was not a waste because of things extraneous to the movie. Absolutely. 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 It was, it was, it was, uh, uh, if you're going to pick a movie to put on for movie night and barely pay attention to it, I'd pick something else, anything else, um, except for Hocus Pocus two. Uh, I, I never saw the first one and I caught a bit of Hocus Pocus two and it's, it's, uh, I don't, from what I gather, uh, how much of the fans of Hocus Pocus enjoyed it, I'm sure this was a letdown. Um, but I, that's all I'll say about it. I've I've never seen the first Hocus Pocus either. Yeah, it wasn't on my radar. Apparently, uh, it's a uh, there's a there's a minority of people who, for them, it's it's one of their go-to Halloween movies, uh, which it seemed odd to me because it it you know like I said, it wasn't on my radar. You say minority like it's small. There's a lot of people. I'm saying like a minority in America, a nation of uh, 360 million people. That's a lot of people. And I think I think the internet inflates that idea. Remember, the internet's dead. It's mostly bots. They, so, they uh, have like a, a festival every year in the town where they shot it in. Wait, what? A festival. People show up from all over the world for this Hocus Pocus festival. It's not a small thing. It, oh, I, I had the impression it was small. That's No, I that's, mean, this is like millions of people. Millions of people love this movie. Well, in that case, from what I heard, uh, they were very disappointed in... <laughs> in the sequel. One. <laughs> okay. My <sighs> sisters are big fans of Hocus Pocus, and I learned these facts about Hocus Pocus by talking to my sisters. Okay. Whom I love. I love all my sisters. Um so yeah, they told me about this festival, and I had the same reaction you did. I was like, what? <laughs> For Hocus Pocus? Pocus? Are we talking about the same movie? <laughs> I want to say it's forgettable, but uh, as soon as as soon as I heard of the film and, and saw the costumes, I had a brief memory to, from my childhood of okay, yes, I remember that that existed, and I remember the costumes in those three witch characters, but I've never seen it, and I had no idea it was a cultural phenomenon beyond just being a Disney property. So I, I mean, I can't say it's 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 not obscure. It's clearly not obscure. I just didn't know it was huge. Um, and I was talking to my sisters about this on the phone uh, while playing that Obsidian role playing game they released a couple years ago, uh, Outer Worlds. This is how I remember it: is I, re I I'm literally seeing Outer Worlds playing in front of my eyes while I'm remembering this conversation about Hocus Pocus. Um, because they were booking plane tickets to go to the Hocus Pocus Festival. And my entire response was, what? There's a Hocus Pocus Festival? And they're like, yes, every year. It's huge. <laughs> but why? Yeah. So this is me being my sisters telling you, and you're in the me spot in this conversation. So that's how it went down. I'm in the war pig spot. Got it. I just, I couldn't understand. But hey, you know, people love things and and they go to them. That's not the only thing my sisters go to. In, in the town that is in um, the Twilight books, something or other Washington, where she yeah. lives and the vampires are? Yes, it, uh, Forks. Yeah, li something Forks, Washington. They have a big festival every year, right? Mm, they used to. I, uh, I talked to someone who's been out there lately, and he said that that's died down. But yes, yeah, and details. They, they used did. to. Uh, they, they used to, at least. 
Um, well, and I'm going to stress your pattern recognition skills here. Mm -hmm. Guess whose sisters went out to that festival? <laughs> I, was it the sisters war pig? It was. So they went out to that festival one year because they liked Twilight. I drove through in 2014, I want to say, 2013 or 2014, and the merchandise festival, I, I don't think it was the right time of year, but that the whole hubbub had died down. There was, you know, one advertisement, Twilight brand uh, dried firewood or something, right? It wasn't... Uh, uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a huge thing. Maybe there was one or two gift shops that still had you know uh, pictures in the window of uh, the two characters. Uh, I think that's I think that's slowed down quite a bit because then people go out there and they're like, oh wow, this is just like Twilight. It's a old logging town in the middle of nowhere that gets probably the most rain in all the continental U.S. <sighs> Uh, all right. <laughs> or at least the contiguous. Uh, yeah, the contiguous U.S. I don't know about Alaska. Um, but up here in the Pacific Northwest, we're practically in Alaska anyway. So, yeah, they uh, they went out there, had a great time. Um, oh, it's a beautiful country out there. I recommend skip forks and just drive up the road into Olympia National Park. Uh, in the Olympic National Forest, you can find some old growth forests. Uh, probably uh, hundreds or maybe a thousand years old. So you had a terrible time watching a Netflix or uh, a movie, a thriller that was on Netflix. Yeah, and we use the use the word thriller loosely. Uh, it wasn't a good movie, but like I said, I had a good time. I watched a uh, thriller action movie on Netflix, and I had a great time. Yeah. Now. This would have been like a C movie in the 80s during the golden age of, of uh, action movies. This would have been a pretty good, it would have been a puzzling, a puzzling movie in the 80s. Because it had been like, wow, this is almost good, but why is it, why is it not quite great? This is called Extraction. It's that Chris Hemsworth, uh, Thor Hemsworth uh, movie that came out a few years ago that I haven't seen until now because, well, honestly, I watch it now because the second one is coming out sometime soon. I don't know when exactly. And so that kind of caused me to use one of the open spots in my block of viewing time at night. Um, to to finally be able to watch it um it's about a guy who's uh who works for an outfit they're they're hostage rescue people they're freelance merc people like uh like in proof of life with meg ryan and, and uh uh the roman general whose name i can't ever remember why can i remember um. He was Zeus in the recent Thor movie, ironically enough. Oh, um, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Are you sure it's Kurt Russell? No. No. Um, I was thinking, I mixed up uh, father figure characters because of these stupid yeah. Marvel movies. Because um, I was going to say Kurt Russell and I knew that was the wrong name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was Star-Lord's father. Uh, Zeus? In, oh, no. I don't recall. He was he was the general in Gladiator. He was Oh Jean Russell Crowe. Russell the other, Crow. the other Russell. The other Russell. Thank the, you. The inferior Russell. I love Russell Crowe, but, but Russell Crowe was not in Big Trouble in Little China or Escape from New York. Russell Crowe was in Proof of Life. And in Proof of Life, he was a professional, you know, hostage negotiator dealer person. Um and in this movie, Thor Hemsworth, uh, which is Chris Hemsworth because he plays Thor in all the Marvel movies, plays a rather different role. He plays a bitter, 
uh, he actually plays an Australian, which he is. He's a, a bitter, um, burnt out alky um, who they come and hire, but are already regretting it by the time they send a helicopter to pick him up. Um, whose job it is the son of a drug kingpin in India um, who's, he runs opium, obviously, they never say really, from Pakistan across the border into India and sells it. He's the top drug kingpin in the area. His son has been kidnapped by another drug kingpin to try and get him out of the business. And so they hire the company who uh, hires Chris Hemsworth to get him to get his kid back. And then everything goes to pieces and they have to escape the city with the kid in tow. And... I don't know, it's it's well past the internet, at least the modern uh, pulp, pop culture um, expiration date for spoilers, but I'll just say that everybody in the world starts coming after him on this escape from the city. So it's a very traditional you know, man against the world trying to save this innocent kid uh, movie. Okay. Um, and it had a really high budget, but maybe it only had a moderately high budget, but they were shooting in India, so they could put on a lot more, you know, pizzazz for the budget they have. Because it really is a lot cheaper to shoot in India than it is to shoot in uh, a lot of what you'd call your first world countries, France, Germany, the United States, whatever. Um, but they did a lot of great set pieces. They did a lot of, you know, great character work, some good uh, characterization of things. Um, oh, John Wick. That's what it, you know, John Wick has to get out of the city and he's getting his butt kicked on all the way out. Mm -hmm. That kind of plot, only he's protecting this innocent kid. Um, Got it. I didn't, do not want you to think about John Wick's level of hand-to-hand -hand, uh, action because that is not what this movie is about. This movie is about a bruiser and a brawler um, and, and, a soldier, a person who's shooting long distance. Uh, he is not a whirling ballet dancer of destruction, if you allow me to use that term about John Wick. So please don't compare them. <clears throat> Excuse me. And please don't go into the movie expecting John Wick level of quality. You will be disappointed. Um... But it is a fun movie. Um, bizarrely, not as high quality as my descriptions would lead you to believe. But it is, uh, I mean, compared to anything else you're going to get in 2022, it's probably one of the best action movies you could have watched in the last three years that isn't named John Wick. Hey, high praise. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's something better, but I haven't seen Ambulance yet, so I don't know. And I haven't seen Red Notice yet, so I can't compare that either. Uh, both of those are on my view list. I hope to see them. I also hope to see The Atom Project someday, but I haven't got around to seeing any of those. They will come when they come. Beastmaster also on my maybe C list someday. So, yeah, that's extraction.
it's a good, not a great, not an eternal legendary movie, which really, I'm sorry, I, I grew up in the 80s. I grew up on a steady diet of legendary action movies that have just stood the test of time. And even those movies, nobody talks about anymore. Um, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he teams up with, uh, where he plays a, a policeman from the Soviet Union who's come over to America to chase down some Soviet criminals. Oh, he yeah. Red with, something. Red. Uh, oh. I Red know. Heat. I've seen that one. Red Heat. Red Heat. Oh. He teams up with John Belushi's brother. Um, and that's a movie that doesn't get talked about a whole lot anymore. So you can't say, oh, it stood the test of time. But it's still a great movie. And if you go and watch it, you'll notice that the writing, even on crappy B-movies from the 80s, the writing is a is mostly you go watch them just seriously good writing compared to anything we get nowadays and maybe it's just the modern writing that brought it down because we don't have people who are doing writing on the level they did in the 80s i'm sorry to be an old man but i'm just telling you the writing in the 80s is really really better and i'm just suggesting go watch some of those Hey, it's been said before, and I'll I'll say it again, man. Uh, well, it's been said before by people smarter than me. Back then, okay, movies are fun, disposable entertainment. It's all right if you watch it, you enjoy it, and you don't care about it afterwards. Like Extraction. Like if you had a great time watching it, it served its purpose. Sure. Studios figured out they don't have to make them good anymore. It used to be that that you tried to make some sort of quality film out of it. Uh, you know, for, out of all the cheesy, awful, disposable Arnold movies, right? Even just Arnold movies, right? You've still got gems like Predator or uh, Conan the Barbarian, right? You've got these these that are genuinely fun and interesting, and you can go back and watch them again. Uh, modern modern movie makers don't need to, at least coming out of studios. I'm not a, a much of an indie watcher, but I so I'll just say that I don't have anything else to say about it. Yeah, they don't just, they don't have to warping. They don't have to write good movies anymore. Well, I I think they actually can't. I literally think that the people who they're hiring and bringing up just have not had the base of being widely read enough and they're not hiring talented enough people. And, and, and a writer generally has to be, their, their talent has to be fostered. They really have to learn uh, via being taken under the wing of some editor. And you really will notice this is that your big writers at some point usually got taken under the wing of some editor who helped them learn how not to write badly. And, and you know, they, they kind of tended their talent so that they could come out in full bloom. Um, and I don't think there is anymore a lot of great editors who are helping writers come along like that because it's been replaced by these writing workshops that are crap at it. It's being replaced by agents. All of those duties were being replaced by being shifted from editors to agents who are crap at it. The uh, Really, that used to be the venue of magazines uh, who all shut down because they started printing, you know, degenerate trash that normal people didn't want to read and stopped reading. And so all the magazines got shut down. Um, and so the very system that produced the quality writers who could write uh, for movies to where even trash movies had a quality writer behind you know, the script, um, all of that has fallen off. And as it's fallen off, Hollywood's profit margins has, has decreased. And 
then all the money is going to the stars who are the least interesting thing in the movie. They're the least important part of making it a good story. Now, their most important part of doing the performance, yes. But as far as making it a good story, actors are the least important bit. Actors don't make it a good story. They make it a good performance. Just like people who make scenery, you know, they don't make it a good story. They make gorgeous looking layouts, right? They make it, everything you look at horrifying or grody or beautiful. That's their job. Um, and I just, I really think that all of this system that used to exist has been gradually torn down. Um, and we don't have a cadre of people who are in positions anymore to get writers to where they need to be to be producing quality scripts. And I think that's a large part of the reason why this movie is weirdly not, it doesn't quite hit, is because it's actually a, a decent story. It's a timeless story that's been done. Um, and the writer just isn't good enough to put character elements in place and good enough character moments in place through the script to make it quite come alive. The characters don't quite come alive. They're just, they're not like five levels removed from reality. Um, like most of these modern movies that, you know, they're just not people. You can see them talking like, they, they bear the same relationship to people that AR, AI art bears to real art, okay? You look at real art and a person who has studied their anatomy can draw a hand that looks like a real hand. You look at AI art and their hands, when you look at the image closely, don't look like real hands. From far away, it looks okay. It looks like it's a picture of a person, but when you zoom in on any of the details, it all falls apart because it all looks wrong. Well, modern movies, it looks kind of okay from a distance if you're not paying close. But if you listen closely and look at what's happening, they're not real people. All the, all the details, the whole thing falls apart, okay? And that's what modern movies are, right? But mm -hmm. classic movies, movies from the 80s and 90s, you could look at the details and they seem like real people. And that's what this the problem with this movie was. It's not that it's a bad movie. And it's not that it's a bad story. And it's not that it's a bad setup for a story. Hey, here's a guy. He's cynical. He's had a bad go of it throughout his job and his career. And he's not really enthused about it. But he decides to do it anyway because he needs the money. And that's why he's doing it. Um, but he decides because he's got a modicum of... Um, professional uh professionalism he's just going to save this kid anyway and screw anyone who gets in his way and bam there's a bunch of really cool action scenes and other people are helping him out because they care about him and uh that works that works that's a good plot but it's not quite they're not behaving like real people do they're almost behaving like real people. So it's not like five levels removed. It's just one or two levels removed. That's still enough for it to not quite hit correctly. Uh, but the person who wrote it is really close. They're really trying hard, and it's still an entertaining movie. It's just not quite there.
that's my review of extraction. It's just not quite there, but characters are not quite behaving like real people. That's also, a shame. Bradford Walker's uh, comment is true. Yeah, I want to call out Bradford Walker's comment. He says he read the newsletter of veteran TV writer John Truby, who constantly complains about how bad TV writers are now, from quality of prose to terrible work ethic. Yeah, it's it's there on TV, too. Uh, I don't doubt it. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it seems... I'm not surprised to hear that from an industry veteran. That's a shame. It's a, a shame extraction didn't quite make it, but Hey, it sounds like, it sounds like you did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. It was enjoyable. I mean, I'm not, I'm probably going to forget about it in a month or two, but you know, it was a couple hours on Netflix that I didn't waste it. It's not like, you know, someone said, Hey, how do you want to waste two hours of your life that you will never get back? What kind of movie can you say? Well, now I'm two hours closer to death. <laughs> I ain't, and, and that's it. Once we've seen, we've seen very good movies. We've seen beautiful um, pictures and and beautifully acted or beautifully written stories, and so we know. Well, that we can get great things out of movies, but at the end of the day, it's it's disposable entertainment. Northman was uh, one of those great, beautiful movies. Very, very pagan, but it was a great movie. So, do you want to hear a movie that didn't go over so well? I love it. I watched the new Firestarter on Hulu. Uh, I mean, that—that's all I needed to know. The the new, the new, and then a, the, a name that I've heard before of a movie that even if I haven't seen it, I know it. Uh, <laughs> tell me more. Um. So, Hulu is Fox's streaming service. Fox was bought by Disney, so now it's owned by Disney. Um. But it still shows like movies they made from Fox properties. Um, and this is a movie that didn't have the budget of the original Firestarter movie. The original Firestarter movie had a had a budget large enough they could shoot in New York City just for like the first 10 to 15 minutes of the movie um, and shoot at an airport and shoot at the roadside of a actual huge freeway that they could shut down um, or a highway. So this movie they clearly had um maybe twice the size of a or three or four times the size of a tv show budget and don't get me wrong they used their budget well every single dollar of their budget ended up on the screen they did not squander it but you could definitely tell that it was um, made on a budget because every shot was really constrained. They didn't shoot in a lot of locations and they used the hell out of every location they did shoot in. Um, not that they tried to make it, you know, look like it was seven different locations, but they shot it from many different angles and they, shot as much action as they could they wrote the movie to get as much action as they could staged in each place um so they they you know they put as many story beats as they could into each place so instead of having um a big reveal happen in two different places or three different places they all happen in one place and I'm putting that out there not because I'm trying to ding the movie for it, but it's that's just what happened. You just really notice it. 
Um, and whereas the original movie tried to stay pretty close to the book, um, save for the constraints of time, because most books, if you shot them shot for shot, will turn into a miniseries. They just can't help it. Um, too much happens, too much time passes, and they're going to be kind of hard to follow. Most books, when you put them on film, are going to be kind of hard to follow. Um, they depend on thought processes of the character being transparent to the reader, which really can only be done in voiceover. So you just have to stop the movie while the actor, you know, voiceovers at the screen for a long period of time and nothing happens in the movie. I mean, literally no images would be shown. It'd just be a black screen while the person talks. That's been the challenge of making a book to the screen for a long period of time. So really you have to, they call it adapting it to uh, the screen. You just have to rearrange the story and, um, you know, rewrite it so that it, uh, it fits better in with the movie. Uh, Katsuhiro Otoma had to completely change the uh, plot of Akira when he made the uh, anime from his manga um, and did a you know spectacular job, but still the the uh, anime is very noticeably different. Lots of characters are just not there or only have only appear for brief, you know, five seconds, ten seconds. Um, and a lot of events are restructured, so some things appear earlier, some things appear later, some things don't happen at all, so on and so forth. And that always happens in adaptations, and that's why. Because books don't make sense literally directly translated to the screen. Um, and so praising a book for being, praising a movie for directly 100% mirroring a book is not a wise thing because that's not a good thing per se. It's not necessarily a good thing in and of itself. What, uh, what this movie did, however, which marks it down in that level, is it made a completely nonsensical changes that you could see where someone thought it would be a good idea, but where the plot taken on its own terms didn't make sense. That is the story itself as presented in the movie, if you had never read the book, if you didn't even know there was a book, if you had no idea that there had been a previous movie, if you just watch it on its own terms, the plot doesn't make sense. You have no idea the rules that they set up early in the movie, this is how her powers work, this is how all psychic powers work, makes no sense. It does not, the ending does not make sense in terms of the beginning. So it fails on a very basic level. The story makes no sense. Mm. Um, Whereas the story of extraction makes perfect sense. Taken on its own terms, all the characters act in a coherent manner. All the characters act in a manner consistent with the personality traits that are established for them in the movie. See, that's why it's almost there. They just don't, in certain details, they just don't quite act like humans. This movie has the problem where actually some of the characters do act like humans. Um, because the human bits they take from the book, they act like humans because early Stephen King actually knew how humans acted. And his characters acted very close to humans unless they were, you know, Christian when they acted like demons. Um, sorry, it's true. I, I'm a fan of Stephen King, and I'm here to tell you, anybody who's religious in his novels doesn't act like humans. They act like demons. Um, so 
The movie's plot doesn't make sense taken on its own terms. The changes they made to the movie from the book do not result in a better movie. They just muddle the plot and make it um, worse. The compromises they made for the sake of budget um, are noticeable if you or would not be noticeable to most casual people. They're only noticeable if you've read the book. Um, or if you've watched a lot of movies. And think about these kinds of things way too much. As a result. Um, there are some. There are. There is one good and compelling performance in the movie. Sorry, I had to work through that before I got to a sentence I could say without lying. <laughs> uh, and it's the farmer. Look out for him. He does one good and compelling movement performance in the movie. And the other people aren't necessarily bad. They're just caught up in not quite acting like humans. Um, oh, no, there's two good and compelling performances in the movie because Clarence Boddicker shows up. Um, Clarence Boddicker, the main villain from Robocop, if you remember that 80s action movie, which came. Oh, I, I forgot the character's name, but uh, Kurtwood Smith, the actor. Yeah. Also from that 70s show, Red on that 70s show. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in there for just a very short period of time. Um, but he does a he does a good and compelling performance in a really crappy role. Just the role is so poorly written, but uh, he delivers his usual uh, excellent performance. Um, so there's two good and compelling performances in this movie. Um, but yeah, otherwise it's a uh, kind of a disappointing performance. The Prey movie, the Predator one, I don't remember what kind of review I gave it. Or if I remembered to review it after I watched it, I think I did. I have a feeling I did. Um, they had the same difficulty with budget. The reason why that was such a set in a primitive time in a bunch of woods that they just ran around the same portions of the woods two or three times for the same scenery um, is because it was such a low budget. Um, they also used their scenery to the utmost extent. And it wasn't until I read about it later that I realized, oh, they really did do that for budgetary reasons. That's why she made this loop like twice, um, once to establish these locations and then once to have the, uh, to have the action happen through these locations. But I didn't realize it was for budget reasons. The people who wrote that script were very clever in concealing that it was for budgetary reasons um and maybe this is because hulu and i was only clued into the budget uh in this movie because i was thinking of that movie and i just noticed that they did the same thing it's possible that had i not known that about prey i wouldn't have known it in this movie so i have to give the movie that much you know credit at least i might not have noticed had i not already known that um so this is not what I would call a good movie. I would recommend you go watch the classic 19, early 1980s, but it's really a very 70s movie, um, Firestarter, instead. Uh, it's so 70s. Um, but uh, it is a really good, it's got Martin Sheen in it. It's got uh, General Patton in it. Mm. It's got uh, so many big name actors in it. You're just staring at it like, what are these stars doing in this little movie? And of course, you okay, bud? Yeah, I hate being 
I hate being sleep deprived to the point where I can't remember names. It just is so frustrating. She was in E.T. She was the little sister in E.T. Um, she was in Drew Barrymore. Yes. Drew Barrymore plays Charlie, who is the fire starter. She's the uh, pyrokinetic little girl. And she was a good child actress. You don't really realize how good a child actress she was until you see movies like uh, The Fire Starter and E.T. She was actually really a phenomenal child actress. Uh, and she's in Fire Starter. The child actress they have in this movie just can't hold a candle to her. Uh, and, and she's not a bad actress uh, as far as a child actress goes, but she's no Drew Barrymore. Um, that's not fair. That That's really not fair to compare her, but, well, you're in Firestarter. That's who you're going up against. So that's it goes. Firestarter. And it's really a mixed bag, but it's a mixed bag on the heavy downside. There are a few good points, but the rest of it that I haven't talked about is pretty bad. They tried really hard to do what they could with what they had. But again, the script let them down. It's a crying shame. Uh, I mean, we're, we're going to be broken records here talking about movies for the foreseeable future. Um, Edge Runners. 2077, it's a Netflix um, TV series. It's a mini-series set in the Cyberpunk 2077 universe. And um, it's thrilling to watch. Um, it's like watching kind of someone play through the game in a certain... No, it's not. It's got enough visual callbacks to playing the video game that you can see that they've tried to make you know that it's set in the same universe. It doesn't have much with playing the game at all. It's not like playing the game to watch it. They just... You know, when someone's hacking, they show you the little hacking uh, screen that's like the mini game from the game. When they call up the map to the city they're in, it's Night City, so it looks like the map that you see on the map in the game. They just do some callbacks to the game. Um, it is a very... It's a good show. It's a tragic show. I really can't say much else about it without spoiling too much. It's a good show. It's a tragic show. That's it. Fair enough. You probably got a lot of it spoiled anyway if you are at all on social media, so I'm not going to spoil anymore. Uh, if you like cyberpunk stories uh, or the cyberpunk genre, go see it. Go watch it. It's worth watching. Um, so I'm gonna hand it back to you. Hey, we're almost done with the show. So, uh, I know we didn't talk much about D and D this week, but let me fill you in on what's going on. We are having a ton of fun in the bro SR. Um, if you're not watching the joy of Wargaming here on YouTube, check it out. The battle for Stormbringer in the heavens orbiting the sun god Aminar. Uh, that battle is almost concluded. And if you haven't seen any of it, I'm not going to spoil it. It gets really exciting. I will spoil this. If you get halfway through the show, if, if you get a few days in and you say, oh, no, with this side's going to run away with the game, or this other side's going to run away with the game. You don't know. You don't know what happens until Mr. Wargaming plays it out. Uh, this far-reaching cosmic battle that's going to affect multiple universes, really fun to watch. 
for a guy playing a war game solo uh, with us, uh, just hanging out with us and, and playing. Uh, the guy makes great videos, and it's a ton of fun. Um, in Barovin Loft, the, um, the Halloween monster patrons are vying for dominance, and uh, we've got a situation developing where uh, there's a few very active patrons causing a ruckus in one part of the map. And I have no idea. I think everybody else on the map is still playing uh, secrets with divinations and teleportations and things like that. Uh, but if you go to Twitter, check out the Brovenloft hashtag. Uh, you can see the latest stuff. The Elf King, uh, who we said was assassinated last week, five minutes into the game. Uh, it looks like that may have either been um, mitigated or it could have been a fake. He could have faked his own death to try to keep the armies uh, away from him. At any rate, the Elf King is back and they're having hilarious rap battles with Kangsta Rapper, the rapping mummy. Uh, uh, <laughs> this game is so gonzo. Maybe it's a little too gonzo for you, but if you enjoy role-playing games or war games, uh, check out Brovenloft, check out the Broasar on Twitter, Twitter, check out what they're doing because there's so much to learn about how to um, improve the breadth of your game to get more players in, uh, how to run a game that can be so exciting because it is driven by the players' actions and desires. Also, for scholarship on the matter, I highly recommend friend of the show, Bradford Walker. I see you're in the chat. Uh, great to see you guys here. Uh, check out his blog, bradfordcwalker.blogspot.com. Uh, you can also find him on Twitter, Mr. B.C. Walker. Uh, great, uh, great blog posts from you. Uh, great blog posts from Brad coming out about the Brosar and what we've learned. And he's got his own take and his own spin on it. Uh, he he really has an eye towards uh, the business. You know, how can you take this information? And if you are, uh, if you're a game publisher or, or a inter interested in, in being a games writer or a games publisher, uh, he's got a lot of valuable insight into the industry. Uh, the short version is don't do it, but the long version is there's, uh, I've, the thesis of his recent posts seems to be if, for what traditional and, or sorry, what contemporary role-playing games are, we know and have known for 20 years or more, 30 years, that video games do it better. Uh, but the tabletop RPGs still provide experiences that cannot be replicated by any video game or art AI or writing AI or whatever. And Brovenloft is probably the best. No, Brovenloft, I can say with confidence, Brovenloft is the best example of that working. Uh, the the Brosar have demonstrated uh, activities and techniques that sort of meld the best of play by email war games uh, with tabletop RPG sessions, and uh, and they can, with very little friction integrate multiple games, multiple game masters, multiple players, and players playing in each of those games. Tons of fun, really interesting stuff. Um, and if you're the type, as, uh, as uh, Brad mentioned in the chat, uh, makes a lot of people mad. If you're the type to engage in a little hate reading or schadenfreude, the Brosar's got its haters too, because there's a lot of people who want to keep selling money on the supplement gravy train and uh evil um evil uh, game company owned by hasbro uh, is turning dungeons and dragons into a game as a service so we're gonna need these uh we're gonna need these techniques and and these abilities in the future because uh, the future, I think the future of tabletop RPGs, if you're not playing, uh, if you want to get away from sort of 
Dungeons and Dragons by way of Magic the Gathering, uh, where they can change the rules and, and the abilities and the cards and everything on you, and you have to play in their system. Uh, if you want to continue it online or in the uh, in the online space, you're going to have to use older materials. You're going to have to use um, better thought out stuff. You're going to have to go back to physical media. Um, now I'm rambling, but anyway, that's all I had to say. So before we kick off, um, never mind. Never mind. Let's kick off. Did you have a deadlock again? No, I just realized I don't need to do this now. I can do it next week. Let's do it next week. It was some promises. I was going to list some things that I'm watching right now and other things I may be watching in the future just to give people heads up. I'm watching Andor. I'm watching Rings of Power. I'm watching She-Hulk. I'm watching Dance of Dragons. Andor's actually pretty decent. It's not bad. <laughs> and all the bad I see in it may be just me being so sick of Star Wars, Disney Star Wars, it actually might be good. I'm just projecting all the baggage from Disney Star Wars. I'm just dragging it in. I might have to, you know, wash my head and look at it with new eyes next episode. There's been five to date. And I haven't hated any of them, and I haven't been, you know, I haven't been preached at in any of them yet. It might actually be good. Um, and then the movies I am trying to see are like Beastmaster, Red Notice, Adam Project. If you've got any suggestions or requests, um, put them in the comments. I'll see if I can get to them. Sounds good. Uh, that's it for uh, that's it for me this week. Uh, Stay tuned for more D&D and more of whatever War Pigs watching. Uh, I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. Oh, let's let's. I'm going to do a shout out to the chat. Uh, chat's been pretty quiet today, but uh, thanks for showing up, Fiona Wolf, Video Mirador. Uh, we we got Brian Renninger mad talking about Alaska, something wicked. Hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope everybody listening later uh, enjoyed our reviews of uh, movies, um, whether you like them or not. Uh, thanks for, and as always, thank you, Daddy Warpig, for being the best host ever. Um, but I'm done for this week. Warpig, take it away. All right, folks. I want to thank everyone who is listening live and uh, popping off in the chat. Thank you so much. And I want to thank everyone who will be listening later. This is Geek Gab. You can catch us on YouTube.com slash Geek Gab. That is YouTube.com slash we are here just about the same time. That is 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Every Saturday or just about every Saturday, you can also get us on the iTunes Media Store, on the Google Play Store, or on SoundCloud.com. Just do a search for Geek Gab. Subscribe to us on the device of your choice. Listen to us on the web or download us to your computer. We are signing out for today, but don't you worry, don't you fret, we will be back.